0: play it play it play it play it we are gay like a fruit we are looking like a snack you are listening to fruit snacks hey snack pack happy monday this is shane and you are listening to fruit snacks Meow, making tongue-pack moves. (laughs) Um, Obviously, Brian is not with me this week, but if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that we are changing up the format a little bit just for these couple of weeks. Living in LA and New York City makes it really difficult for us to meet up consistently enough to stockpile podcasts that we can release on a weekly basis. So in an effort to keep content coming to you, we've decided to record our own episodes which we had mentioned before, and it made me really uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, But here we are, we're doing it, making big boy moves. And I originally had wanted to interview somebody for this episode, but I instead figured that I would take advantage of the alone time and the airspace and the lack of long story shorts and talk with you guys about my reactions and thoughts and internal conversations based on some feedback that we've been getting from some good friends of ours who know us pretty well. So in an effort to really go there with you and get into this conversation, I'm going to skip all the pleasantries and the fruit roll-up, and I'm going to save that for next week when I'm with Brian again, and I'm just going to get into the fresh fruit. So the feedback that we have been getting recently is that although people are responding well and relating to the subject matter that Brian and I are talking about in our podcast, there sometimes seems to be a depth or a piece of the puzzle that is missing in our conversations. And that is where I take responsibility. And my reason for saying that is... I have been fearful since starting this podcast of ever overstepping my boundaries. And this is actually a conversation that I've had with Brian, where I'm so fearful of somebody feeling like I'm speaking for them or speaking out of turn or disclosing their stories or telling their stories in a way that's unjust or unfair because that's not my place and it's not my responsibility to do so. But what that's done for me is it's, it's caused me to hold back a lot in some of our conversations and it has caused me to swerve around some subject matter in a way that maybe sometimes doesn't make sense or doesn't really take you all the way there into the depths of my internal conversation that's happening. So I wanted to take this episode to really get into the two conversations that have meant most to me that I felt like I didn't completely know how to navigate the first time around. And those two conversations were our talk on love and our chat about mental health. Both of these subject matters have weighed heavily on me in the past six to nine months or so, give or take some on each end, and both of them directly are intertwined or involve other people. But in order to get into those conversations, I need to give you some backstory. I've been in New York for just under three years now. And for the first year and a half or so, I lived my life. I made friends. I went out. I found my restaurants, my salons, my grocery stores, my gay bars, my livelihood. I found my comfort here for the most part. I feel like New York City is a really hard city to jump into. and. I'm a very structured and organized and OCD-driven creature of habit, as Brian likes to say. When I took this job, I didn't realize that it really was going to be a huge lifestyle adjustment. So just before starting training last January of 2018, I had already set up my life at that point because I had been in New York for a year and a half, and I had a relationship, and I had all of those go-tos that I just mentioned. And I was really confident and stable and secure in my relationship. And I didn't feel like taking this job would jeopardize anything for me that personally. I was wrong. When I started flying, I very quickly felt out of control in a lot of ways. I had no control over my schedule. I had no control over my interactions or lack thereof with the people in my life who I wanted to see consistently or as consistently as I had before flying, I didn't really know how to handle that. And I just kind of went with the flow for a while and I didn't love it. I mean, I still don't love it, but I didn't love it at first. And I thought, it's okay, play it out. There are a lot of people who do love this job and there's probably something to it that you're just not seeing yet. And I had somebody back here in the city who was supporting me and who was here for me and telling me that I could do it and told me that we could do it. And I believed him. And once summer rolled around, because right after I graduated, it was definitely still like the end of winter, although it should have been spring. And seasonal depression just kind of gets you anyways. So when summer started rolling around, I was like, okay, I can breathe again. Um, I'm kind of learning the tricks of the trade a little bit. And now that energy of New York City in the summer is coming back and people are, are out and about and I'm feeling a little more confident and my birthday's coming up and his birthday, Edward's birthday, uh, my now ex-boyfriend. And I just had a lot to look forward to. And... I was learning about traveling in my off time and that was really exciting. And so I was able to sort of sweep the doubts that I had for the first few months of last year under the rug and push on. And I did and I had a really great summer and then summer ended. That's when things started to feel really different. I take responsibility for where I'm at in my life right now, a hundred percent. Nobody put me here. Nobody forced me to make the decisions that I've made. And so before I talk a little bit more about my relationship and the end of it and the end of last year and being in a really dark place, I just want to say that I'm very much aware of my part or my role in getting myself to where I am now, which is a really great place, by the way. I just want to say that. So after summer, I started to miss LA a lot, like so much, like to the point that I was annoying because I talked about it so much and I could hear it. It was like word vomit. It's really unfair because you cannot compare two cities like New York and LA. The things that I have in LA are not things that I really ever gave myself the opportunity to obtain here in New York City. I found my tribe in LA. I didn't feel like I needed to find another tribe here in New York City. I had beautiful weather all year round in LA. You obviously do not have that in New York City. I had my go-tos and my spots and my restaurants and my salons and everything that I had eventually found here, but it was just different. And it was because everything that I found in LA I had found for the first time as an adult, I moved there when I was 18, and so for the first time I was doing everything by myself. And it was more exciting than it was tedious. And doing that kind of stuff here was also exciting because it was new, but it was a little redundant in that I'm like, okay, I've already done this and I have to do it again. And what was happening when I was comparing my two lives, my life in LA and my life here in New York, was that I was shutting off from all of the good that was still here around me. And I was turning away any good or positive opportunities or relationships or experiences that I could have had here because I was dwelling on this past. And I was, I think subconsciously thinking that if I made myself hate New York enough, I would get out of here faster at no expense. I didn't care. I would have done anything and I couldn't. I, wouldn't, I, I didn't have the opportunity to transfer for work and I obviously can't just quit a job that I haven't even been at for a year with no savings and move back because I've already tried that before in my life and it did not turn out well. <laughs> Thank you for the couch, Brian and Sid. I wanted to make a move but I didn't want to make a stupid move. But I was. I was making a very dumb move. I was blinding myself from everything that I still had here and I slowly started to slip into a very deep depression and this is sort of where the health the mental health conversation bleeds into the conversation about love because I started losing the foundations of my relationship and again that was on me it was almost just collateral damage for for trying to get back to my happy place and I could feel it and I knew he felt it and Regardless of feeling the way that I did, he was still there for me every single day. He showed up. He wanted me to know that I was loved and that I was never alone, even on the days that I felt unloved or unlovable or like I wanted to be alone. He loved me unconditionally. And what started to happen was I felt the weight of having something really great and dependent on my interaction with it. And I started to shut down and close off even more. And that's when things started to get really bad. And that negative energy and mindset and headspace started to infiltrate everything in my life. And I started to feel... Like, I was disappointing people, and like I was disappointing him, and it was this sick and twisted merry-go-round of emotions, and of self-loathing, and of self-pity, and it just was not good, but if you've ever struggled with mental health, you know that you feel so out of control, literally, I mean, you're probably acting out of control, but you feel so helpless in terms of fixing life for yourself. And in October of last year, uh, my relationship hit a wall. And I lost my one constant that in hindsight I realized was my one real, true, meaningful happiness here. And looking at the past three years of my time here in New York, if there's one thing that I am most grateful for, it is that this city brought me to this man. Because even when it felt like everything around me was crumbling and falling apart, I had this ground beneath me because of him that was so stable and concrete But still I chose to let it go and um, I wanted to blame everybody else but myself and I wanted to mask any potential pain with happiness or temporary happiness and so the week after we broke up I flew out to LA which is actually when Brian and I recorded our second episode together and I spent time with my tribe and my family on the west coast and I laughed and I experienced nice weather and I talked to people, but it was all very surface level. And I wasn't facing anything that was really happening for me, to me, around me, internally. And so on the outside, I seemed to be holding up pretty well and I felt. I felt confident, but it was. I was such a fraud. I was not confident at all. Even looking back now and talking about this, it makes me so frustrated. Because I wasn't confident and I wasn't okay. I wouldn't have ended a a perfect or close to perfect relationship of just over a year if I was happy and if I was okay and if I was confident. But here I was pushing on and masking my my emotions and my thoughts and I was pushing myself to work a lot so that I wasn't home often and I was binging tv shows or going out and partying and doing everything that I could to not face my realities. I'm also going to give you a little backstory here on another situational matter that has been happening in my life for about the past 12 years or so. Mostly from afar. Uh, I have talked before about my dad's struggle with alcohol. And I promise I'll tie all of this into the story. I just, I need to get this out because it plays a part. My dad's struggle with addiction has quite literally torn at the seams of my family. Living in California or living in New York creates this space where I get to continue living my life and only face as much of that subject as I want to or as I can in any given moment because I can surround myself with with distractions and that's so not healthy because at the end of the day, that's my family. And you can only go home to your family, and in not facing the realities of that. Every time I go home, makes me feel more and more distant from the very people that I'm going home to. And just like Brian talked about last week, in regards to being let down by the one support system that you should always be able to rely on, That's so fucking hard. And recently uh, I've realized that my, my dad has come to terms with the idea that alcohol will very much so be the death of him. And that makes me feel really helpless. Because my whole life he took care of me. And now I'm looking at this recognizable reflection of someone who can't even take care of themselves. And if you've ever dealt with an addiction of any sorts, you'll know that you are really sometimes helpless. You can't force somebody to see something or hear something before they're ready to see it or hear it. And my dad very much is not in a place to get better. And all that I can do is be here for any moment that he may need somebody or may feel like, even if momentarily, he wants to feel better. I feel like my relationship with my dad has not only caused our relationship to suffer but my relationship with the rest of my family and it's because a lot lot of the time we don't know how to handle situations because we've never had to deal with these growing up. It's not like my dad has always been addicted to alcohol. And so all of us deal with it in our own way. There's four kids, my mom and my dad. So five of us are dealing with this addiction. That isn't our own, but we have to deal with it in our own ways. And that sometimes pulls us apart from one another. And my reason for bringing all of this up is because When I say that I had a panic attack or an anxiety attack, however you'd like to label it, about a month, month and a half ago now, I didn't really get into why it happened. And this is why. Since October, I have lived with the fact that I gave up on somebody who loved me unconditionally. And when I don't have him, I would like to know that I have my family, but the reality is, sometimes I don't. And living so far from my tribe, my chosen family, makes me feel really alone and What's so ironic is when you're alone, things feel really, you would assume, feel really quiet. But the night that I had my attack, I couldn't get the voices to feel anything close to quiet. I was overwhelmed at how loud they were and how blunt and confronted I was by everything I had pushed aside and downward and ran away from for months because I didn't know how to face them. And someone who I was talking to about that episode said I wanted to know more. I wanted to know how you knew it was a panic attack. I wanted to know what you felt, what you were going through. And what's wild about a panic attack is it's truly an experience that is sometimes, or feels at least, indescribable. I will try to give you my physical symptoms, but what was happening in my head is something that you have to experience to understand. Physically, I couldn't catch my breath. I wanted to cry harder than I ever have in my life and I wanted to scream and I wanted to feel someone wrap their arms around me, but I wanted to be alone and I was overheating and I was sweating and it was winter still or felt like winter because it's New York and every month except three months out of the year feels like winter. Um... And, you know, luckily I was able to walk outside like I had talked about and just feel the freezing cold air hit my skin and cool me down. Um, but I was hyperventilating and I eventually called someone and tried talking and I couldn't get out words and I couldn't get out sentences. And it's like I I, I had all these thoughts. I knew what I wanted to say. I just I couldn't form the words. I couldn't actually say it. I couldn't push it out. And, um, eventually I calmed down. Um, and I remember the relief at the end of that night and feeling like for the first time in so long, it was quiet. And what's ironic about that attack is that it marked both An end and a beginning for me. It marked the end of a really low point for me. I had started to feel better about things in general shortly before I had that panic attack, but it was after that emotional vomit, if you will, I was kind of like, okay, let me just explain it this way. I was kind of like the drunk bitch at the party who like just needs to throw up in order to party on and everyone's looking at him or her and they're like, oh my god, they just need to get it out. Like, they look a mess, and they are a mess, and getting that mess out will make them a hot mess. <laughs> and, uh, and, and getting all of that out allowed for me to feel so free and to feel so light again. And I'm not saying that that fixed all of my problems, and I'm not saying that everything was better after that moment. I'm just saying... I felt like I had permission to feel better again. Like I was capable of feeling better again. And so it was the start of a really happy time. It was also the end of a really rough time and I don't want to forget that and I don't want to leave that part out because that dark time still comes through in a lot of ways on a daily basis. But, much unlike my job, where the bad outweighs the good, the good in my life right now is really outweighing the bad. And I genuinely mean that. And looking back to even two, three months ago, I felt like this moment would never come. I felt like I was going to go on forever, f- drowning in my own thoughts and emotions and insecurities and lack of self-identity because I, I feel like I'm still learning very much so who I am in a world of being surrounded by people who I love and care about who know very much who they are. And that's always been a struggle of mine as well where I've always wanted to be like the people closest to me. Because I've admired them so much and I've looked up to them. And I've always wanted them to admire me in some way or another. Or look up to me in some way or another. But what I wasn't realizing is that the only reason I was a part of their life is because they were. And even saying that makes me emotional because I, for the first time I believed that. And even just hearing from people in regards to some of these conversations and knowing that they so badly want or wanted to be there in any given moment for me only solidifies the idea that I am so fucking loved and I am so fucking blessed and I'm not religious and I... We've we've talked about how I feel more spiritual than I do religious, and so like the word blessed always makes me feel a little uncomfortable. But sometimes I don't know how else to emote what I'm feeling, and that word just feels right. And I'm fortunate, and I'm so lucky in moments. And in some way or another, looking back at my life, I have always gotten what it is that I've asked for or worked for. And I know that that's not always the case for everybody. And for that, I have to take a step back and say, you are okay. Your life is good. And you will always be fine. And better than fine. You will always be loved and supported and cared for. Even in your moments of weakness. And for that alone, you should be confident and strong. And you should wake up with a purpose every day. And god damn it, that is so fucking hard. It is so hard to wake up happy every day. Especially when you have something like bad weather, or you wake up a little sick, or you find out some bad news, or you have to wake up early. Oh, I hate waking up early. It's the worst but when you can when you can take that step back and you can evaluate your life in that way and you can make the decision to change your mindset or to work on changing your mindset and to find ways to change your mindset i promise you eventually you will change it and you'll notice that difference you will Feel it in every aspect of your life because I have. For the first time in months, I feel like I can breathe. And I mean really breathe. I actually recently got sick. Um, I think it started out as a, as a head cold and it turned into like an allergy kind of reaction because our season is changing here. But the, um, the hippy-dippy like <laughs> holistic kind of person in me honestly it feels like that was the negativity that I have harnessed for so long leaving my body. And it was a good two weeks that I just couldn't kick the stuffiness and the congestion in my chest and this heaviness and this pressure that I felt built up in my head. And when it was out, I was like, this, this is your moment right now. No other time but right now is your chance to push on. To recognize that you have reasons to push on. That you have reasons to be excited. That you have reasons to be happy and feel loved. And you have fucking reason to give that back into the world. And I've taken some time off for myself to really ground myself and feel like I'm in a stable, confident place again. And trust me, I am far from being back to my old self. But for the first time in so long, I'm feeling like pieces of young Shane are coming back. And that's really exciting because for so long, I was in some sort or another embarrassed of him. I was embarrassed to always be the emotional friend who was falling in love or who was naive or making silly decisions or anything that would resemble a childlike state of mind. And I, I like to think that I have matured through a lot. And as much as we like to give each other shit, I think Brian would vouch for the fact that I have grown through a lot. But I, I'm finding ways now to take the old pieces of myself, of that young naive childlike Shane, minus the petitties. Girl, those were not even petitties. They were just small tits. Um, I'm finding ways to take him and introduce him to the new adult Shane. And I'm smiling right now. That makes me so happy. I feel like I'm proud of myself, and that's Okay. Because oftentimes we like to diminish boasting about ourselves or feeling like our ego's too big. And I don't want to apologize for that anymore. I know that I need to remain humble in life, but I also know that I'm never going to get anywhere if I don't love who I am. And I mean truly love who I am. And yes, I have like fat days and I have days where I'm just like, I'm not feeling it, I'm annoyed by everything and everyone and I just want to be alone and that's okay because we have to move through the ebbs and the flows of of life naturally. But I'm really learning how to grasp onto those good moments. And I share all of this with you, not to brag because I sound like a dick, but I share all of this with you Because if you're struggling with loneliness or depression or anxiety, or you feel like you're not good enough for somebody or any group of people and you doubt yourself, I want you to know that I believe in you. And I believe in you for the mere fact that I like to connect to people through compassion and empathy and if i can't be compassionate and empathetic after the past year of my life then i really don't have any reason to be happy and i want every reason to be happy and i want you to have every reason to be happy so (laughs) sorry, I'm just a mess. It's literally flowing out of me again. And I, I was hoping not to be super emotional. Well, not emotional. I was hoping not to be depressing. And I hope that I haven't been depressing this whole episode. I know a lot of it was, or it sounded dark. And that's because it was really dark for me for a long period of time. But that was coming through my conversations because I, I still wasn't dealing with it. And just the fact that I can talk about it feels so different for me. And the fact that I'm comfortable talking about it feels so good for me. Um, I met with Evelyn, Um, I think I brought her up before, I'm not positive, but she's the therapist who I saw in um, January, by chance. who was there for me in a moment when I felt like I had nobody else and I reached out and she came up and we had coffee together and we just chatted and I felt like I was so excited to tell her about my progress and I felt like I just wanted to make her proud and she's a stranger. I've met her once but I, I felt like this kid who got an A on their report card and they got to bring it to their teacher or their parent rather and say, look what I did. I did better. I did great. And I'm still doing better and I'm still trying to be greater. But I'm happy and I'm loved and I'm learning how to love again, unconditionally love. And that is so beautiful. And I want you to know that even in your darkest moments, you need to remember that you will feel all of that too. And Brian and I are here for you. And I'm going to shamelessly plug our social media right now because if you ever need to reach out to us, please do. Uh, you can email us, which nobody really tends to do because it's email. Um, but you can email us at fruitsnackspod. That is Fruit Snacks plural, even though there's only one of me. Today uh, at gmail.com and you can use that same handle for our Insta handle, which is Fruit Snacks Pod on Instagram, or you can reach out to Brian individually on Instagram at WeaverBrian. That is Brian with a Y. Uh I still do not have social media. Um, I've felt really great and sort of stress-free without it, so I'm gonna push on a little longer uh without opening back up my account, but I will soon. Just give me a little second I'm doing what I need to do for me. And that's okay. Always remember, it's okay to do what you need to do for you. Um, and on that, I am going to give you a little in season. And I'm going to say that my in season right now is just that it's doing what you need to do for you. Nobody else. If there's a moment When you need to take time and just be alone, take the time and just be alone. If you need to get out and live your life and dance on a table, don't get arrested, please. Or get arrested if that's what you feel like is gonna make you feel better. Go out and dance on a table and get crazy and have fun and always be safe. But have fun and live your life and do it because you want to and you need to. And reach out to somebody if you need to. Or don't if you need to, but know that it's okay either way if it's what you need. And then, once you do what you need to do, spread love. Love somebody. Let somebody love you. Because love costs nothing. It's free. And it's one of life's most beautiful treasures. And I know I sound so cheesy right now. And I'm sharing this with the world. But love someone. Love. Love can literally change lives. It's changed mine. And I want to know that I was able to change somebody else's. So with that being said, I'm at 40 minutes. I think that's great timing for an episode on my own because I don't want to look at the clock in 20 minutes and say, fuck, (laughs) I did the same thing he did. Um, So I'm going to cut it here. I'm going to call it quits. But I really genuinely appreciate, and I know Brian does too, I know we always speak on behalf of each other, or we have these two weeks that um, we recorded separately, but we are so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity and the platform to speak with all of you on a weekly basis and to engage in conversation with you outside of this podcast because it makes us feel like we made the right decision in starting this podcast and in opening up to all of you. So continue to write to us, continue to reach out, continue to spread the word that Fruit Snacks pod is the greatest, gayest podcast around. And on that, I will see you next week. Love you all.